Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm very excited to welcome one of the most prominent Christian leaders of our day, Kevin Burgess, who most of you probably know by the title of KB. KB is an award-winning rapper with five albums, his most recent being His Glory Alone 2, which was released this past summer. Beyond his gifted abilities as a hip-hop artist, KB is an international speaker co-host of the Southside Rabbi podcast, and an author of the book, Dangerous Jesus, which will be the focal point of our conversation today. KB, thanks so much for being willing to hop on the show with me today. Ah, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the very generous intro, my brother. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, KB, the main point of your book, Dangerous Jesus, is to reintroduce the true Jesus and shake off some of the common misconceptions of who Jesus is that pre-exist predominantly here in, in the Western part of the world. I'd love to ask just to start, why did you feel that this topic was so important given where our culture presently stands when it comes to the Christian faith? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that uh, the last six or seven years um, have been the most tumultuous uh, and divisive uh, discouraging, regressive, I think, in a lot of ways for um, the Church of Jesus Christ in America mm. uh, in, a, in a very, very special way. It, it, we've, the Church has always had historical moments throughout you know, the, the founding of our country, uh, mm. and those moments have often been rife with uh, things that we would shun. Uh, that we should shun. Mm. Uh, but there was something special about this last, you know, kind of season um, where it, feel, it, it felt as though um, uh, many believers were discovering that uh, we're not all saying the same things. We don't, we don't all believe the same things. Mm. Uh, we, when we say, you know, uh, I trust Jesus as Lord and God as Father, um, depending on what you understand Lord to mean, what you understand Father to mean, mm. uh, wh- who you understand Jesus to be, uh, could mean you could be talking about something completely different than what I'm talking about. Mm. And, um, I, uh, I think that the, the, the division and the disparity between where we all are as a people, as the people of God in this country was, um, put on display was highlighted in special ways politically mm-hmm. theologically so socially yeah. um uh and then you know ev- even w- during the pandemic what does it mean for us to take care of each other should mm-hmm. we stay in our churches and resist what the government might be saying or uh are we not loving our neighbor by not mm-hmm. observing social distancing it, it's just been not 
according to the playbook for a while now. And uh, it has had tremendous impact on the church. I think the biggest impact has been the astounding amount, the shocking amount of people that are turning away from mm. the Christian. Um, the, uh, the, the Also, the shocking amount of people who are refusing to worship with one another. Mm. Uh, there's a, a, an exodus. I, I mentioned that in the book that yeah. these churches that were perceived as uh, racially um, diverse, mm. say, back in 2015, and were on the front line of moving past this era of segregation that has defined most of, of our worship yeah. in the history of, of the United States, that we're moving away from that. Mm. And um, there's just been study after study that that showed how um, after these last seven years of theological, political, and social uproar, uh, we are, have returned back mm. to the kind of segregation that we saw back in the 60s yeah. in our churches. Um, so... With that being the case, um, I, I wanted to sympathize with the problem, but I also wanted to talk through what I knew to be mm. the ultimate solution. And people say Jesus is the answer all the time. Amen. Uh, but what I did in the book is I said, which Jesus are we talking about? Mm. Because if we're not talking about the right Jesus, yeah. then we have no answers. Yeah. And what I tried to propose in the book was following in the tradition of mm. one of my heroes, Frederick Douglass, who... Uh, became a follower of Christ in the antebellum South, uh, where Christianity was being abused in in ways <laughs> that that we would say are probably worse than the ways in which Christianity gets abused today. Yeah. He saw that in real time and mm. was able to see past it, yeah. uh, past the abuser, uh, past the oppressor, the mm. the, uh, the oppressor, oh. and into who God really is to see him purely despite the misrepresentations. Mm. And he trusted that pure image of Christ that he had. And it made him alive mm. in a lot of ways that animated his work for abolition. Yeah. And his estimation was that there is a Christianity of this land. Mm. And then there's a Christianity of Christ. Yeah. And that the, 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 the kind of greatest work that we will do in any given moment um, in the land is to separate the Christianity for, of the land from the Christianity of Christ because yeah. the Christianity of Christ reigns. We are healed. People are set free. Salvation is ours. But if mm. the Christianity of the land reigns, uh, yeah. there is nothing but destruction that follows. Without a doubt. And that's what I, that's what I love about the book is, is I think so many of us, and I even felt convicted of this as I was reading, so many of us can be believing or, or thinking in the way, as you mentioned, of the Christianity of the land without even recognizing it until, yeah. as you pointed out many times, we see that like, wow, like that totally makes sense. We're not looking at this from a biblical standpoint. We're not knowing the true Jesus. And that's why, again, I think this book is so important, so valuable mm -hmm. for, for young Christians, especially because that's going to set the tone for the future of the faith in this country is, is the young believers that um, are building the foundations of their faith now. So it's a tremendous, tremendous book. And you, you just Love mentioned it. the key misconceptions right throughout the book. You use the term of Christianity of the land and then Christianity of Christ. I know there's a lot to this answer, so just briefly kind of share with us. What are some of those key differences that you have seen between the Christianity of the land and the Christianity of Christ? 
That's a great question, man. And the book is chapter after chapter, taking one kind of caricature of Jesus mm-hmm. and standing against the the Jesus of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's probably you know fifty answers to that question. <laughs> I'll just give you a couple. Yeah. Uh, I think the the most blaring way in which we saw the Christianity of the land uh, become the identity of so many people that 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 you know, claim to follow Christ um, was in the politicizing of what it means to follow Jesus. Mm. When people started to essentially say that if you were not um, conservative or Republican or, or right wing in a way that you would without question accept anything that your team is doing mm. uh, because it's the right team may not be might be filled with the wrong people who are doing wrong things, but it is the right team. And having that stand up, David Platt talked about first bucket and second bucket issues, or essentially like there are convictions that we have about how we vote, you know, where we eat, where we like to go, where Mm. the kind of things we want in our house, the kind of books we like to read. We have convictions about those things. Many of those convictions are good. They are often shaped to our own uh, wiring our yeah. own struggles and that's fine mm. but when you take those con- those convictions and you move them into this other bucket of where we're talking about the death burial resurrection of Christ uh the priesthood of all believers um the 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 you know the trustworthiness of the bible mm. what it means to be righteous or faithful or holy and you start to conflate your personal convictions or your very good okay spirited uh community convictions and you transpose them on the Christianity and say that this is what it means to be a Christian is that we always vote this kind of way. We always mm-hmm. we say nothing kind about anybody that, that says anything different from how uh, we still say anything kind about people that see things differently from us. Mm-hmm. Our arch enemy is not the devil. It's the liberals. Uh, when you start to do mm-hmm. all of those things, yeah. what you do is you create another gospel. Yeah. Um, that Christianity of the land, uh, where it's a works-based or party-based or mm-hmm. vote-based or allegiance-based salvation, but that's not the Christianity of Christ, which is a grace-based mm-hmm. salvation that has Christ at the helm, our allegiance is to him, and we may see things differently in our convictions and how we see what the solutions of the world might be, but we don't lose sight of the fact that the kingdom of God is our priority. Mm. The coming reign of our Lord Jesus, who that has already started, but will be realized by every eye and every tongue will confess. That is our real home. Mm. I was just reading before, before this interview. Um, uh, let me see here. I, I, I was just reading this uh, passage in Hebrews mm. uh, that I think is a great reminder. It says, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to a city in heaven, which is yet to come. And another aspect of the Christianity of the land is that the Christianity of the land has made the land heaven. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. so protecting, you know, at all costs, keeping people out, you know, uh, uh, living in fear, uh, you know, obsessing over every threat possible, hmm. uh, you know, making your ultimate you know, reality, this world, hmm. that's what the Christian land, Christianity of the land does. And when you do that, 
you end up hurting this world. Hmm. That's what Frederick Douglass talks about. He says that the Christianity of the land actually makes people worse, that it would be better if you had not had anything at all (laughs) than to take a good Jesus, pervert him for your bad reasons, Hmm. stand some kind of defender of whatever it is that we want to do, that actually malforms and is injurious to uh, God's world. Mm. But if you have the kingdom and the Christianity of Christ yeah. as the ultimate, is if where what I am ultimately doing is trying to see mm. the the flavor of the kingdom mm. season everything in this world. That's my main thing. Yeah. Uh, then what you end up having is people who are better for this world. They help yeah. this world to thrive and they help uh, push back on evil and darkness and they fight for justice and they are loving. They mm. include without agreeing with everything that, that everyone says, yeah. they find ways to be kind mm. and not, you know, sharp. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, their truth is narrow but their love is wide. Mm. That's what the Christianity of the of our of the Christ mm. affords us. And yeah. um, so, anyways, those are a couple of reasons why it's a couple examples. But yeah. it, it furthers the point of why it's so important to separate the two. Absolutely, it really is important to I think you sharing on those differences because I think again, as I mentioned earlier, we can fall into some of the Christianity of the Lamb without even realizing it. Because that's often what we're hearing, whether it be from our local church or from our friends, and and that can really inform us as to how we are to believe. And so I love that you share on it in the book. I love that you use a lot of scripture. I think for our listeners, if you read the book, you will see a lot of scripture backing up exactly what, what KB is sharing, which is super encouraging. And, and moving towards kind of a similar subject, I love this quote from the first chapter of the book. He said, devotions are important, but true religion, the religion God is pleased with, it's demonstrated in action. I think so many of us can make mm. sure our, our devotional time is hit every morning. We can make sure we're in the Word, reading our Jesus Calling or whatever it is, but we can miss the reality of what it means to serve God outside of that. So what is the danger of being a Christian that is consistent in many spiritual practices like devotions, but fails to have actions outside of those practices? Wow. Great questions, bro. You, these questions are world-class, man. Um, so, uh, I would say, uh, the, the danger is the, the biggest danger is, is finding themselves in a place where they may shipwreck their faith because mm. you can't, there isn't a Christianity that, that, you know, gives people robust faith, um, faith that, uh, I'm not talking about like, you know, just like faith to move mountains. The Bible says it actually didn't take a whole lot of faith to do that, yeah. but I'm talking the faith to simply stay and mm. to struggle and keep believing and, and have dark nights of the soul and 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 keep on trusting God and um and to have a faith that gives you joy when everything is falling apart around you or yeah. the kind kind of faith that that keeps you safe when there's a lot to be enjoyed that might corrupt mm. you. Yeah. Um that kind of faith is that authentic faith that comes from rightly um practicing the the christianity of 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 the bible and which would say that you know anyone that that feels like they're religious and every time the the new testament largely when the new testament addresses religious people Mm -hmm. they are seen as religious because of their practices they are and 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 the practices that 
are are typically public. So mm-hmm. they pray, you know what I'm saying, loud and well. They yeah. are seen at the temple. You see them hanging around religious people. Mm-hmm. Uh they fast and they fast for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um they you you can you you you're around them and they say, No, I'm not gonna eat. I'm I'm trying to fast. Mm-hmm. Religious people are typically identified in scripture by the practices that they are doing that are considered spiritual mm-hmm. uh, but then the bible then is rebuking them throughout the whole thing because yeah. it's saying i know you think that this is religious or so james says so you see this man that thinks he's religious if he can't control his tongue if he cannot stop Hmm. cussing people out when he gets mad or when she gets mad if she cannot stop tearing down her friend you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. no matter what you understood as religious it is off that their Mm -hmm. religious their religion is in vain they are deceiving themselves Mm -hmm. because the the kind of true faith is demonstrated in how you act Mm -hmm. uh your, your, your your tongue especially how you speak is a massive indicator of of your character Hmm. you know what i'm saying you do a lot of work uh with the things that you say and uh so that's a good indication of exactly where you know if if you're you're it's a good indication of the state of things in your your soul i think also like the emphasis on loving your neighbor in Mm -hmm. scripture is it's like redundant i mean it, yeah. it's it's heavy laden like it's mm. that's oh that's what's being talked about over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. and the backdrop of loving your neighbor we get this from the the story of what we call the good samaritan when jesus mm-hmm. is given that parable the backdrop is him also looking at a religious person there are religious people in this story yeah. who have relationship with god who are walking past those who somebody that has been um been abused or somebody mm. that is, is is vulnerable or suffering yeah. they're, they're ignoring suffering though they are religious yeah. right they, these are the people that should mm-hmm. they, they, they're inside the community of faith then you have someone who is outside the community of faith the samaritan yeah who then does all the things that jesus says uh mirror Hmm. The lifestyle of those who are inside the community of faith. And Jesus says, be like that Samaritan, hmm. right? Yeah. It is not your religious status among other people mm-hmm. is a kind of true faith. It is not your disciplines at home yeah. uh, at 5 a.m., which is good. We need to do more of that. I need to do more of that. <laughs> not hating on Same. devotions or praying at home. Yeah. Um, but we... We haven't done, uh, we, we, we aren't complete. We, we're not finished when we have done the, the customary things that the religious people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says that not only, that, not, are you, not only are you not finished, you are missing the point of the spiritual stuff. Yeah. The spiritual stuff is to drive mm-hmm. that which is physically affecting people around you yeah um so that's the danger the danger is that you might hollow out the faith Mm. to be something that's about about how you thought uh what you agreed to and some spiritual practices and completely miss what the bible uh identifies as as saving faith without a doubt and i think the 
the question we have to ask ourselves, and I think that we should ask ourselves, is what really makes us Christian? Is it devotional practices? Is it not cussing? Is it not drinking? Certainly, I would say, as you would say, all those things are important, right? You probably, I wouldn't recommend cussing. I wouldn't recommend getting <laughs> drunk. I wouldn't recommend, right? I would, wouldn't recommend missing your devotional time. But if those, right. if those are the only things that make us Christian, and as you said, we're ignoring suffering, we're ignoring the needs of those around us, ignoring the needs of the least of these, again, I think we miss the point of what the Bible is getting at in a lot of these, these conversations around what it means to be religious. And you actually had another great quote in the book. You had so many, I could ask a gazillion questions on, on what you wrote. But you said, faith is not demonstrated on platforms, but in the trenches. And so often I think we can look at someone and say, well, they are religious because they are a tremendous speaker, right? So, so commonly nowadays we see IG preachers, we see preachers on YouTube, and we see preachers at conferences, and, and those people are who we see as the most holy. But just kind of elaborate on what can Christians learn that uh, faith is not demonstrated on platforms, but in the trenches? That's a great, that's, that's a great question, man. Yeah, and yeah, no, for full disclosure, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm one of those preachers some, that, that you may find clips of online, and I'm not hating on the folks that, that do, hmm. uh, you know, have large followings uh, as kind of like uh, the internet preachers, but they're not just on the internet. They right. just, yeah. we know, a lot of us just know them from the internet, mm -hmm. but a lot of them have, you know, churches and they yeah, shepherd yeah. their people. But the fact of the matter is, um, for many of us, uh, the the people that we would identify as goats of spirituality are people we've never even met. I I, I have no idea how this dude is with his wife. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how he is with his children or his church, or I don't know how she is with uh, her husband or her mm. boyfriend. Like I I don't. I have no idea. I only yeah. know is that when the lights are on, I'm very impressed by what I see. Mm -hmm. uh, inspires me it, yeah. it motivates me yeah. uh and and we don't think very much carefully we don't think much um we don't think much more about that equation i see them with the lights on and i know how i feel when i do hmm. there we go we got a spiritual goat among us you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah uh but i've just been on the other side of all of this man and uh um i believe the bible teaches that God's blessing isn't best seen yeah. by how great your life is going and how much money and access and accomplishments you have. Amen. I think the Bible gets that, but I'm also, I have experience. They tell you not to do this in hermeneutics. Don't, don't try to interpret scripture uh, through your experiences. Uh, but mm. I hope I had the liberty to say uh, that, that, that scripture oftentimes will validate your experiences because yeah. my experience has Amen. been, okay, uh, on the other side of this, and there are songs that we are singing, and 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 sermons that we are listening to, and organizations that we are giving to, uh, that behind closed doors, this has nothing to do with Jesus mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, this marketing and talent, and um, this is a, a big business. Um, yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that that's just uh, <laughs> another reason. For us to remember that, you know, folks can be good at God, but not good themselves. And mm. if you're not at a place uh, yeah. where you can actually discern and spend time with this person, mm. then you want to or you want to hold your love and support of them loosely. I mean, you mm. should. But, you know, you, you shouldn't see like I yeah. had a dude tell me the other day 
that his pastor was perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that his his pastor. He's. I was explaining to him other like you know people in the faith, like who heroes of mine, even heroes of mine that have fallen, and uh, but they're still my heroes. And he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I understand that, but I, and I think that's applies to uh, applies to everybody, but not my pastor. My pastor's perfect. Use the word perfect, and mm-hmm. um, and I think that it's the same thing applies. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, you ask that man's wife if he's perfect, and and then then you'll have your answer. Yeah. If he actually is, but you're only you're only spending time with the that that Sunday morning mm. or the the kind of dinner that y'all had or whatever it was. Yeah. You're 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 not able to really live life with somebody mm. because if you live life with someone, you realize that these people are just people, yeah. and they are just in need of Je- just as much in need of Jesus mm. as you are. And Amen. I think it's just important for us to to allow us to be encouraged by allow mm. be allowed to be encouraged by. You should be encouraged by those people, but yeah. then you need to make sure that the lion's share of your spirituality and yeah. your growth is with people that you mm. can live with, yeah, uh, see mm. regularly that that know your name, and uh, I this that's much a much better equation for your soul. It sure is. It sure is. And, and I love that for our listeners because they're working in the sport industry, which has a platform, especially at the college and pro level. We love sports in this country. And so I think so often we can go into our jobs or go into the arena or the stadium and kind of live in, in, in the way you said of being good at God. But when we're in the trenches of our day to day outside the private life, what is really happening? What is really going on yeah. in my heart? Am I following Jesus in those moments? That's when it's the hardest, when the lights are off. So I think it's right. a, tr- a tr- tremendous point. And I think all of us could learn from that point as we continue to, to journey with Jesus. And KB, yeah. I think, truthfully, the most important point you made in the whole book, in my opinion, is talking about how the Christianity of the land has a gospel that is too small. And mm. at, at first, at first, I, I was reading through it and I was thinking, okay, Eternal salvation is so important, but you made the great point that if the gospel is just eternal salvation, we miss the benefits that the kingdom of God can have here on this earth. So talk through, how does the Christianity of the land make the gospel too small, and what is the true gospel of the Christianity of Christ? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. I think um, for me, the, the the smallness of the Christianity of the land is demonstrated in um, essentially this timeline where you trust Jesus and then you go into basic good Christian autopilot, you know, yeah. you go to just try to get the kids to bed on time mm-hmm. and make sure laundry is done. Yeah. Uh, and don't cheat on your, your spouse and, you know, try to give when you can to the church. Uh, and then you die and go to heaven. And then, you know, that's where you, you get glorified and righteousness and, peace and joy and the Holy Ghost is, is there forever. Um, that's that's a very small, but I also would add that's a, a gospel of privilege um, mm. because the, if, you, if you live in kind of the peacetime and stability and, and not a whole lot of threats and the biggest issues you have is just getting the IRS their money, um, you can kind of create a, a, a very, you know, basic autopilot Christianity. Yeah. Uh, that has no effect on this world. And that's what I'm saying that mm. the smallness of it, it's small because it means nothing for no one except you yeah. and your, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the gospel of the, of 
of the kingdom. In fact, that's one of the phrases that the scripture uses is the, it's the gospel of the kingdom or um, the gospel of God, mm. that the gospel is as big as what our God is doing in the world. Yeah. That through Jesus, he is reconciling all things. Uh, all things speaks to all things, mm. systems, departments, products, people, uh, places, uh, everything hmm. will be touched by redemption. And the main objective of the renewed image bearer is to begin to make way for that reconciliation. You've been given that ministry. You've been given the, the uh, you know, sort of the keys to the kingdom hmm. and the church. You've You've been given the, the presence of God and his law, his good law, uh, as a, as a, as a, you know, kind of something that, that, that holds you back, but also in terms of like, keeps you from going cr like off the rails, mm -hmm. but it also gives you uh, a pathway to flourishing. Yeah. Um, all of that is designed for us to bring the kingdom down. Mm. Jesus said, when you're praying, pray like this. Yeah. And he starts it off with this reflection of the kingdom of God being known mm. now on yeah. earth. Yeah, That's how you should be praying. But that's not how we pray. Mm -mm. I'm largely just praying with the kingdom of God out of my mind and just thinking about earth being good on earth. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah. So my prayers are like, Lord, help me with this and me with this and me with this mm -hmm. and me with this and me with this. And you can lose sight of, well, the gospel's calling you to something bigger. Mm -hmm. To obey the gospel is a much bigger reality that absolutely includes uh, the truth of God intersecting with every aspect of fallenness in this world. Mm -hmm. From what is happening in our police departments to what's happening at Washington, D.C., what's happening in our schools, what's happening in our homes, what's happening at our grocery stores, what's happening with our farmers, mm -hmm. what's happening with our immigrant brothers and sisters, what's happening to our minorities, what's happening to whoever. Mm -hmm. It is our commitment to the gospel yeah. that leads us to demand mm -hmm. that anything that has the fall written all over mm -hmm. it. Um, anything in that condition must bow the knee to Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we insist upon that until Jesus returns in glory mm. and does it himself. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It's a powerful point, KB. It really is. And I think if we read Acts and we see the early church, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved as they were ministering to the needs of other people, right? Acts chapter yeah. 2 specifically 42 to 47, talks about how they were sharing in their possessions as each had need. And at the yeah. very end, it says the Lord added to their number daily. And so, yes, yeah. I am sure that somebody in that group of apostles was preaching the gospel of repentance and salvation through faith. But at the same time, there was, uh, as you pointed out, a gospel that was reaching the needs of people on earth. Uh, and so I think we can learn from that. Yeah. I really do. And I think that's a powerful point. Uh, in terms That's of good. how we can view view the gospel. KB, just thank you so much for being gracious with your time, and thanks for being willing to share with our listeners some of the highlights from your book, Dangerous Jesus. And for those listening, we just scratched the surface on this incredible work, so I recommend that all of you go and get KB's book, Dangerous Jesus, because it is both convicting and refreshing. Thanks, KB. 
If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at UncommonSG.org. That's UncommonSG.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern Time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next time.